And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Let's get elevated. This is your host, Heather Steppe, co-founder of KC Hemp Company, bringing you all things cannabis to the hustle. Before I welcome our next guest to Startup Hustle, I want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So one of the banes of my existence and one of the issues that not only myself at Casey Hemp Company, but at anybody that I know in the cannabis industry is banking. And when I tell you that this has been a struggle, I mean a full-blown struggle. We've had bank accounts shut down. We've had merchant processors shut us down all because we're selling CBD products and they think we're illegal and selling illegal products. You know, I, I don't really know why they keep doing it, but they keep doing it and it sucks. But here to help me understand that and tell me a little bit about the banking industry and the issues of cannabis and banking is Tom Lorenz. He's the owner of AML Specialists. So Tom, welcome to the Startup Hustle. Welcome and thank you too. Glad thank to be here. I, I am so happy to have you because, like I said, this has been the, ugh, ugh, I have wasted so much money and spent so much time on this topic as a CBD company owner. So I'm hoping that you can help me shed some light on it. Uh, so before we get into all of that, Tom, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background, you know, how you got into the business you're in now and why cannabis? Okay, well, I, I could start all the way back in my uh, where I started in the financial industry. I'll just I'll just cut short. I, I worked on worked on and traded on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the Chicago Board of Trade, where I became a compliance officer uh, to start with. Not necessarily specific to this banking issue. These banking issues was a compliance officer that found it easier to just say no uh, until I walked into the office uh, of a new company and said. You know, it's a lot easier for me to pay you, keep the lights on and pay everybody else if we could have some customers. Please explain to me these no's. And it turned out that uh, what it was uh, effectively, which transfers to, to today's topic, is uh, inherent laziness and risk protection of compliance officers. They want their life to be easy, where it's not necessarily, uh, doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So uh, what I established with that person and the way I look at things moving forward is I determine what is statutorily disallowed, what absolutely can't be done. And then after that, it's just a, uh, a risk-based decision. So um, to speed forward to what got me into this industry, uh, which I just skipped through 25 years of my life, but uh, <laughs> I had a very good friend. Uh, her name is Jane. She, uh, she was like a sister to me and she was diagnosed uh, about seven years ago with pancreatic cancer, stage four. And during her treatment, um, during her treatment, she was having uh, trouble eating. And one of the solutions was, uh, it was cannabis, cannabis uh, therapy. And uh, it turned out that we were living in a state where it was not legal. And I found that ridiculous. And then I found the challenges to the banking industry ridiculous as well. And I took a look at the industry, what she was going through and said, this is a place I can make a difference. So I decided to uh, then kind of alter my direction and career and concentrate on what I called uh, normalizing financial services within the cannabis industry, working with both, both sides of the equations, uh, people like you, Heather, and then the banking, financial institutions, making them both comfortable, allowing the transactions to move forward. I Is that a good explanation? That's a wonderful explanation. Thank you. And Thank you for everything that you're doing. I'm so sorry to hear um, about Jane, but mm -hmm. everybody that is in the cannabis industry, or at least everybody I've ever come in contact with has a story. They have a why. They have a personal touch on why they got into doing what they're doing. And it's usually surrounding the health and well-being of someone that they love. Um, I know that's, you know, why Kyle and I got involved as well. We saw what CBD could do. We see what cannabis can do for 
consumers, for patients. And so being able to provide that is so important. And the service that you're providing is equally as important. I mean, you know, when we talk about cannabis companies, most people think of the flower. They think of selling it, growing it, but all of the ancillary businesses surrounding the cannabis plant itself are just as important, if not more important, to the actual selling and cultivating of the plant itself, getting it from that seed to that patient. Uh, Heather, you, you, I'm sorry, <laughs> you, you bring up a really interesting point. It's one of the first topics of discussion when I go into a bank, either either requested or me going in looking to work with the bank, is you're banking cannabis money now. It doesn't matter whether you know it, you are. It is a fact. You're either tertiary, secondary, in some way, shape, or form, there's money moving through there now. So you're not even doing your job properly now. You are not defending against or embracing. You need adjustments to your policies and procedures. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's that's absolutely correct. So when you go into these institutions and tell them that, I mean, what's their initial response? What, what are they saying in, in response to you? Uh, well, one of my recent ones, I won't name the bank, uh, the president slash CEO of the bank turned, put his hand up and told me to hold for a second and looked at his compliance officers and said, is he right? So uh, that was it. And very shocked. Um, one of the things that that really resonated with me in the time I spent in Missouri. So since 2018, roughly, when your initiative passed and then planning for it uh, was 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 this. There is uh, representatives from the Division of Finance that would say this. They, they weren't condoning the, the industry. They weren't uh, saying this is exactly how you should bank. But they said everybody in the state, anybody that banks in the state, when we come as the division of finance to review your bank, your your uh, your periodic review, understand we are going to look for a, an adjustment to policies as they were before. In other words, either you're embracing the industry or you're defending against it. In both ways, you have to co show competency. You have to know what a marijuana transaction is, know what to look for, and then from that, I take your. It's here anyway protect against it and why not create a some revenue and be a little good for the community so uh that's been kind of my general pitch to financial institutions from the beginning have they been receptive i mean you know i know a lot of the smaller banks um you know the the city-based banks are, are very open and, and have worked with cannabis companies all the way from cbd companies like myself to dispensaries and cultivators out in colorado and california missouri um I mean, so we're kind of seeing a little bit of a shift on the on the smaller banking side, but on the bigger banking side, are we seeing that shift starting to happen as well? Not yet. And let me let me go back to your original topic, and it makes me want to give you a job. So this is it. You hit the nail on the head. The most appropriate place for this type of a business is a smaller bank, is a bank that knows their customers well. Uh, it's part of differentiating types of transactions. If I know you and know what you did for the past ten years. I'm going to see difference in behavior and I'm going to be able to detect that. And if there's anything that's reportable, I need to report it and I will. Um, I've always said the, the, the target for me in this industry to initially bank them, I have other reasons as well. I think that they, they were unfairly uh, pushed out of the industry by, by a banking act, the Dodd-Frank Act, that, that really made little banks adopt big banks compliance. But that's a different topic. They lost market share. So this is an opportunity for them to keep which is uh, is one thing, and then also acquire more business, very expensive for banks. But um, they're, they're much more appropriate for it. Now, I like I, I look to state-chartered uh, depository financial institutions. That includes banks and credit unions. Those are the, the best to work with in this industry from all, all sides, from a regulatory perspective, from you, from a personal, personal uh, relationship with your banker, everything. Uh, that's the best target. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, I, until I actually started a business, did not even give two thoughts to having a relationship with my banker. I had a big bank. I went and took money out and I had my paychecks deposited. And that was pretty much all I used the bank for. It wasn't until I started a company and it, in the cannabis space that I even started researching into, you know, banking and what it really means and, and how to conduct business with the bank. And there's a lot of pieces and movement there. Um, but I, I, and I didn't even realize that there was a difference between having a bank and then you have to have a merchant processor. And then on some, you got to have different, there's all these words. Mm -hmm. 
All these acronyms. I can, I, I'll speak in, in letters and acronyms forever. KYC, yes, all that. Go ahead. It's so confusing. Um, so, you know, being able to kind of simplify that moving forward, I think is going to be super important too, not only for me and my company, but for the end consumer. You know, we've had issues where people can't pay us, you know, our, our merchant processor shuts us down. So people are like, well, how do I pay you? And it's like, well, can I write you a check? Or I've got a debit card. Does that make a difference? And it's like, nope, I have nowhere to run your card. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to see some change there. And, you know, I want to touch a little bit on the Safe Banking Act, which if you don't know, is going through the uh, government right now, if you will. Uh, it's been proposed to try to loosen up some of these restrictions for the cannabis industry. So, you know, from your standpoint, from a compliance standpoint, and just your financial background, what do you see the Safe Banking Act doing for our industry? I mean, are we finally going to get to that point where we can bank like a normal business with normal rates? Or are we still in it for the long haul? Well, um, <laughs> I don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm, I'm going to. It, I won't guarantee what I say is going to come true, but I'll use some history to explain. Okay. Um, the Safe Banking Act, while a good thing, removing removing criminal prosecution from the act, uh, the process of facilitating transactions for the for those uh, uh, beneficial owners of the financial institution, that's a good thing. But what it doesn't do is it does not remove cannabis from the uh, the Controlled Substance Act. In other words, the transactions themselves are still illicit. So what you really have with that is a federal a federal act, a federal act of Congress that does not provide clarity. It actually provides confusion. It now says to everybody, now what? And compliance officers don't like now what's. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, I tell people I like to take laws, rules, codified laws, rules, and regulations and turn them into active policies and procedures. That's my jam. Yes, I'm a dork. That's what it is. It's what I like to do. You're doing so, <laughs> well. That's what I like to do. It's fun. Uh, it's well. It's fun for me. So um, when you have something like the Safe Banking Act, while good in the end, uh, towards the last thing, the la you know our ultimate goal, which is to change the GD law. Pardon my French or whatever language it was. That's what needs to happen for this to really open up. Meanwhile. Um, and an example where this happened before, and you probably remember this very well, after uh, December 2018, the, the 2018 Farm Bill, theoretically legalizing hemp, uh, defining some, uh, defining what hemp meant as opposed to cannabis with the same plant, putting a minimal THC level in it, and then passing it off to the states. What that did was have the major processor in the hemp industry, the CBD industry, withdraw. Uh, U.S. Bank and their product and product Elevon, I think it was. I, I forgot the exact name. Yeah, that was. I mean, we we tried going down that path too, and and you're absolutely right. I, I remember it like it was yesterday because it was like, oh my god, if we run into another fucking wall, I'm gonna lose my mind. And we did. Well, we this, this is, now you put yourself in the nerd compliance outfit that I wear, and now I'm sitting in a in a in a bank. Uh, I'm the compliance officer for a federally chartered bank with businesses all across. Ultimately, now I have 50 different sets of laws, rules, and regulations that I have to comply with. Imagine that. That's yeah. what happened. Is that 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 created regulatory confusion? It didn't. It didn't remove the desire, but again, compliance comes down to and must. First of all, per regulations, compliance must be risk based. You must. Uh, your 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 due diligence should meet the risk. When you can't define that risk and that risk is constantly changing, that is a risk in itself. So that's what pulls back banks. Banks are traditionally conservative. We want them to be both. We want to be conservative and aggressive. It's it, it, They're constantly fighting with each other, which goes back to the smaller banks that know you. They've, they've had your checking account since you were in high school. They knew your parents. They know what you do. They can actually say, Yes, I know it's okay. I know what she does before she did this. After that, she did this. She went to college here. She lived there. We know her. And now we know she's in this industry. We can compartmentalize, define, and react to that risk appropriately and allow her to bank. I can I can watch the transactions associated with her business account, watch the transactions associated with her personal account, which is very important, by the way. Nobody forget that... Uh, you know, what you do with your business affects you personally. You are a beneficial owner. 
uh, you know, the U.S. Patriot Act effectively for many for uh, many reasons removed what's called a corporate veil. Beneficial ownership. It goes down to I'm not an entity. I want to know who the people are that own that entity by law down to 25 percent ownership. But that's also risk based. Mm. So your behavior, your behavior can affect. And that's why you're best off with who you know at your local bank. And even if they don't bank your, your marijuana business or your cannabis business or your CBD business, whatever we're talking about, make sure you tell them because they're going to find out. So you may lose your mortgage. You may lose your savings account, your checking account, be told to leave. It's all important. Yeah, that happened to us. We didn't lose our mortgage, thank God. But we did have uh, a lot of assets liquidated uh, when we were doing business with the company. And it was our personal assets. And that was a big shock to us was like, what the hell? This has nothing to do with our business. But because we are associated with the business, um, yeah, we were screwed. I mean, that was our first week in business that happened. And mm -hmm. so we were like, what have we gotten ourselves into? Uh, I'm, I'm from a, from a, from in certain respects, I'm, ex, I'm extremely conservative. I'm extremely conservative where I don't think the government should know all of those things. At the same time, I'm also a pragmatist and I know they can, and I know they do. Uh, and I tell anybody that consults with me or I consult with, make sure everybody knows everything, everything connected with you financially, your insurance company. Uh, there are, there's something called core banking, and that's what runs the software of a bank. These are really big companies that can uh, deliver an edict to their customers, the core, the banks themselves saying, by the way, I don't know if you are, but if you're banking marijuana, CBD, Kratom, hemp, whatever it may be, uh, we're not we're going to just allow your service. It, look at your contract. If you're facilitating illicit transactions, we have the right right to pull out our service. These are things that people don't consider. It's how they move their own money, how they bank, who they interact with. So it is a, it's a big mess. And the solution to it is transparency to begin with. That's the that's the first thing is as a merchant, as a consumer, uh, be very transparent. Yeah, we've done both. <laughs> we've Good. been uh, secretive and then we were like, this isn't working. So we we did fully transparency. I, I mean, like you said, that's just really, guys, the more transparent you are about any and everything, the better it really is for you in the long run. So that clearly applies here to banking. And I can 100% attest to that. Uh, so when we were setting up our website um, and building out our, our business, you know, we were for a while using PayPal, who knew what we were doing and didn't really seem to have too much of an issue with it. Um, and then just recently, as of last year, was like, you know, we, we won't do business with you uh, personally. We won't do business with your company. But then you hear about people like PayPal and the bigger institutions that are actually fighting for this reform for cannabis banking. So it's incredibly black and white. And it's just like, well, what do you what's the plan here? Like you're okay with it. You're not okay with it. So what kind of solutions, you know, do you offer um, not only from the compliance and helping people understand what they can and cannot do, but what are the solutions? What are solutions for people like me? Uh, first of all, I, I look for, um, I look for companies that are a, a registered, registered where, wherever you are, are you registered federally? Uh, so are you a financial institution? There are different types of financial institutions that all are financial institutions. They break down into two major categories, depository or non-depository financial institutions. But anybody you're dealing with should be registered, A, federally with FinCEN, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. That's the first thing. That means I'm participating. I'm here. I've raised my hand. I've let them know. I'm out here doing business. You don't have to say that you're only doing, uh, you know, uh, I'm a merchant processor only for cannabis, but here I am registered. You start with that. I'm registered. Secondly, uh, again, this is another confusing bag, but uh, uh, states have different laws, rules, and regulations affecting, there is not what's called blue sky regulations for things called money transmitters. Money transmitters are also involved in the process of movement money between parties, money transmitter. They hold things called stored value. Um, those have individual state registrations. So check both with the state and the and and the uh, federal government. There's there's a website. If you go to type in MS, MSB registrant, 
Uh, if you go to FinCEN, there's ways, uh, FinCEN.com, I think, or .gov. I'm sorry, you'll have to look that up for me. I don't remember right off my hand. There's ways to look up the regulation and ask, and actually ask the person presenting a solution to you what their registration is. And I really feel out their compliance, uh, their compliance side of things. They should ask you a lot of questions, and you should be comfortable asking them. It's just something I say to the banks I work with, you will never, ever anywhere find a more cooperative customer than within this industry. They are they want to do business with you. They'll put up with higher fees, which I also don't like. I think they should be a little bit higher, but I don't think they should be as high as they appear to, to be very often. But they'll be much more willing to give everything you ask for. You know, I, I some of the questions that I ask of of customers now are right in policies and procedures for my clients to ask. My dad would have told told the bank to go pound sand and would have walked down the street to another another bank. I'm not telling you all that. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I think did I answer your question, Heather? I don't know if I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you know, from from like a so let's back that up for just a second. So from a business side, so if I'm a cannabis company, I'm a dispensary, let's say, even let's just step away from the CBD side. Let's go to the marijuana side. If I'm a, a dispensary and I mm -hmm. want to accept credit cards when people come in, because let's get real, that is how people pay. Mm -hmm. uh, other than putting a ATM in the corner of my dispensary, what, mm -hmm. what are the solutions that I have for using a credit card? Because I've been to several dispensaries in uh, Colorado, California, where I've used a credit card. Which I was shocked, but okay. So I let's. Let, I have to. Be, I got to be very careful here, but I will. I'll answer your question, and I'll answer it by a story. Um, uh, I had a client that I went in, went into and was asking for advice, and the bank had a few customers. I looked through their books. I found a, I found a client whose quoted business was was plant husbandry. I looked and said, I don't think I've ever heard of plant husbandry. They were a marijuana related business. They got merchant processing based on the business description of being plant husbandry. Mm -hmm. uh, I've also been at other places where I've seen credit cards used, used where you look at the merchant, it might be just a simple um, LLC without defining exactly what it is. I've spoken with people that use uh, a friend's business um, and used it as a uh, let's say it's a florist and it's the second location. That's bank fraud. The fact is this, and, and you guys can check this if you want, call Visa and MasterCard Investor Relations up and ask them a simple question. Does Visa and MasterCard allow the use of their brand, their product for uh, the facilitation of transactions and illicit substance? The answer will be categorically no. Okay, what does that tell you? Now, the next thing they'll say is, but we don't police our downstream networks. We leave them up to, up to themselves. Um, getting away with something is not a good idea. That can affect the rest of your life, not just your business that's involved with hemp, your personal business, other, your, your personal life and, and finances, but your other businesses. There's something called a TMF, Terminated Merchant File. If you end up having an ISO, an independent sales organization that pitches a debit card solution to you or a credit card solution to you and they're just looking the other way and it's visa mastercard and you can go in and use it be assured that visa uh the card associations aren't aware of the fact that you that you are accepting cards uh, allowing people to purchase an illicit substance it's just not allowed in the network what can happen then you end up in a terminated merchant file a terminated merchant file is a collective group of data that all the card issuers, underwriters uh, uh, use to decide whether you're going to get merchant processing again. Getting put on a terminated merchant file is a is a it's effectively a death sentence for any business in the future. It means you're either going to have to go overseas for processing, and it doesn't matter if you're just selling bubble gum. At this point, you've been on a terminated merchant file. So yes, people can work around it, but if you read the terms and conditions and know what you're doing. You are committing bank fraud if it's because it, it clearly says that you're not breaking any laws. And there's the distinction between the state versus federal doesn't work in this position. Visa and MasterCard are clear on it. Okay. So, I mean, but don't, but why? So, ugh, it's so frustrating. It's okay. It I, is. That it is. I want you to take my money, take my money so that I can have services. And, you know, like you said, if, if we're talking about a state law that says this product is legal mm -hmm. what hold up why is doesn't visa and mastercard want to make more money 
They do, but at the same time, until uh, when it, when you look at, first of all, they are a publicly traded company. That creates issues. Now, there are publicly traded companies that are involved in, in the uh, marijuana cannabis industry and becoming more and more common, but that statement in itself creates issues. It creates SEC issues. It creates issues when you go to raise money as a private company. Very often in a private placement, for instance, there's a standard language will say, I'm not involved in any illegal activity. So a lot of these things just that make clear common sense, there's also pushbacks to them. I'm not saying they're correct and they should be this way, but they are that way and they have to be dealt with. So um, uh, yes, it is, it is always going to be a challenge, but the challenge is work with somebody that helps mitigate the, mitigate the risk for those that are risk sensitive. So, uh, for instance, I have a company. My company, MG Payments, operates a product called Aiden Pay. Aiden Pay uh, comes from Aiden's Alliance. Aiden, marvelous young boy, I met his wife at a uh, industry function. Ashley, I met her in in uh, Kansas City, and saw her trying to take money from people just buying T-shirts. And I said, I gotta solve this this person's problem. She's effectively, as far as I'm concerned, already an angel. I can't believe she's she's got. A, a, humongous family of uh, uh, kids, husband to take care of life. And, and she's able to keep her, her challenged son uh, or wait, uh, wrong term. I'm sorry. Different, differently gifted uh, child. I apologize for that misstatement. Uh, happy. Uh, well, she wasn't able to do this in an easy fashion. I told her I was going to solve it with a product. What I do is I have, I operate something called a closed loop stored value system. And I do it within state boundaries. So first of all, I'm not crossing over federal. I'm dealing with one jurisdiction at a time. So in the state of in the state of Missouri, you have the power of, for instance, in the state of Missouri, the power of an amendment, uh, a very significant vote, a uh, humongously popular uh, amendment that came in and said, we're going to have this industry. It was for the benefit of the state and in particular had a, uh, a veteran aspect to it that made it a very popular initiative. And that's a power of amendment, much different than legislative. Every bank there is dealing with it. But what I what I do is I, I am, as a registered financial institution, MG Payments, Aid and Pay, I am required to report um, any any uh, transactions that that first of all require reporting or or appear to be requiring uh, reporting, does that take it away from the bank? Yes or no? Uh, it, it there's no reason to double report. That's called defensive filing. So I'm I'm the person that's initially filing everything you do, Heather. Therefore, your financial institution isn't necessarily to require every every transaction or as often as I file. They have one customer on their books, and that's me. Um, they're they're not they don't see all the other individuals on that on on their on their customer list. So the risk is mine, and I present to them as a registered financial institution with the required policies and procedures, and uh, fully compliant at all times. So that is what that that's one solution. Okay. And so let, let I want to dig in just a little bit more about Aiden Pay okay. uh, and Aiden's Alliance specifically. I mean, what a wonderful thing for you to do. I've also met Ashley and Aiden and they are wonderful people. And, you know, being able to provide not only a solution for them and their family, but then they also provide a solution for people uh, mm -hmm. by helping them um, get their medical cards. They're, they're, they're for patients in Missouri. Sure. So just a wonderful organization. Um, but, you know, so if I were to set up aid and pay for my business, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, is that you said it's state specific. So I'd only be able to use that for customers in the Kansas area. You're, you're different. First of all, you are you're you're hemp. So uh, in CBD. So that's different. You are you are by the Federal Farm Act have are, are I mean, by the by the uh, uh, Farm Act of 2018 and the other two before brain doesn't remember 2014 and then the other individual act of Congress. Sorry, that escapes me at the moment. Um, you, you're, you're in a different category than a cannabis a cannabis store. So yeah. yours, you know, I have federal, I, I do have some blue sky. Um, and all I ensure is that my, any of my CBD stores that you that use aid and pay are compliant with all uh, promulgated and, and uh, codified laws, laws, rules and regulations. There is nothing wrong 
with with you selling CBD across state lines. It, you know, let's let's hope it stays that way. Um, you, you're starting to get pushback. You're starting to get concern. Different states' rules on when they test for THC contest, how they test test for it, what the uh, what the proof of uh, of ownership all throughout a chain of it is. It's all it's it's becoming more complicated. But as of right now, no, there's not a problem with transacting out of state. Hmm. Okay, well, that's great. So when I if I were to use Aiden Pay and set that up for my you know my CBD business, or even if I had a cannabis business and set it up that way, um, you know, one of the issues that we do run into when we can get merchant processing is the insane fees because we're quote unquote a high risk company. So where other companies and businesses are doing business at, you know, two and a half, three and a half percent, maybe max on mm -hmm. fees, you're looking at a cannabis company or a hemp company and we're doing upwards of six, 7%. Uh, you know, we first started a couple of years ago, it was like almost 10%. And then they had to keep your money for like six months and then they would slowly leak it back to you. And there was all this just crazy shit that went on with the money. Absolutely. Side. <laughs> it was insane. I mean, yes, it was it an incredibly intimidating, but you know, so if, if I were to use aid and pay, what is, what is the, the risk that, you know, are we still considered high risk? Are the fees still high? Um, does a percentage of the fees you take in go towards Aiden's Alliance? Or is it uh, like, tell me a little bit about that, how that works. A piece, a, a piece of every transaction goes to goes to Aiden's Alliance. We'll, we'll start there. But let's, but let's for a second go backwards. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's start with this, the high fees. Uh, yeah. They're almost confiscatory. Uh, you are you are called high risk. You will be high risk. You should be high risk. You're controlled, and and hemp and CBD is controlled. There's laws that control what what its what its contents are. So you are controlled, uh, which which means high risk. It does not mean you should pay the rates and people should charge the rates they are. They're taking advantage of you, and I I don't know any other way to put it than that. There is absolutely no reason for it now. Uh, me, because uh, uh, aid and pay is designed so it can work within uh, controlled industries and without. There's no reason why uh, if you're a bricks and mortar CBD store and there's a pizza joint next door, they can't accept it too. I'm, I'm ag agnostic to use as long as it's it fits within my categories. About the only thing I won't touch is anything that would would contribute to the human trafficking. I won't be involved in the porn industry or or anything that can in some way contribute to it. But I'll touch almost uh, most controlled substances uh, and most anything that I know I can mitigate the risk. So uh, to, to rates. Our rates right now, uh, with our limited uh, limited use and limited footprint so far, are far below 5%, they're far below 4%. They're just about to drop below 3%, and my goal is to have them competitive with every, every other way to move money. I take advantage of economies of scale. The more people using, my rates go down. And as I grow in footprint, uh, I intend on lowering rates. I think it's completely unfair that that excuse is used. I think it's frankly, I think they're scumbags. Uh, pardon me for saying using that term, but <laughs> the, the merchant processing world in, 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 in is a is dark murky, murky waters with lots and lots and lots of nefarious characters in it. At the same time, virtue is everywhere. And I firmly believe that. So you can find people that are doing things right. There's nothing wrong with making money, helping others. Uh, it, it, it's, it's something that, that a free market economy allows. I can, I can do this. I can, I can earn some, uh, get, compensate my investors, earn a living for myself while helping Aiden and helping Aiden pay in Ashley. Uh, and that my mission is just to grow and grow and grow and make a little tiny bit off of each transaction. Yeah. But and lots of them. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And I mean, this industry is only going to continue to grow when you're talking about more transactions and, you know, the, the more you got, the less you need. I mean, kind of like what you were saying. So I love that. And I love that you've been able to partner with Ashley. Um, before we switch gears here, I do want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Puzzle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, and in case you forgot, we did start a TV show. Uh, you can head on over to YouTube, search up Startup Puzzle TV, and you can watch myself and fellow founder cast members share the real story of what it takes to start, build, and grow a business. You can also watch how me and my husband have been completely destroyed by the banking industry of cannabis because we've lost and lost, but we've also gained. Uh, so let's switch gears here just a little bit. Um, 
and talk about, you know, more on the federal level, what needs to be done, what's coming up in the pipelines, uh, what options uh, moving forward we're going to have. So, you know, it kind of sounds like even though, even if the Safe Banking Act were to pass, uh, that it's just really going to cause more problems, just like when the uh, hemp bill passed in 2018. So the only solution kind of sounds like a complete descheduling of cannabis so that it's no longer considered an illicit drug. I mean, is that what you're seeing from a compliance side? Uh, okay. <laughs> Here's my pin to pop your bubble again. Now that, that ultimately, I'm sorry, but that ultimately at the end, yes, that is, that's what should be changed the GD law, as I said earlier. And that line came from a friend of mine, dress wedding that uh, started uh, Harborside in California. It's a, a, a very famous dispensary. Just change the GD law. Anyway, what that does is this right now we've, t we've taken this and it's been assumed Thank Colorado, thank California, thank all the first states out there pushing Washington that pushed to do this, states' rights. Well, what you have now is, as I discussed earlier with hemp, 50 different regulatory framework. Um, so immediately following even descheduling, you're going to have that issue as well. It, will, it may encourage uh, other other states to take on legislation, or then we go to, through the really complicated fact and say, we're going to make this federally regulated, which you know, with a dysfunction that we have in Washington now could take forever. So don't don't expect anything really soon. Uh, at the same time, don't despair. There's help out there. There really are. As you mentioned, your local banks start there. So there is help out there and they can move money. They can enable it right now. Um, you're seeing all different kinds of uh, methods for moving money. One, one really, uh, I think, good solution, something that I don't think we've talked about yet, but you started noticing after COVID, which has really helped this industry, by the way, oddly enough, COVID did, and this is what it did. You found little small, I don't know, uh, a, a lady in, the in her basement making candles or a guy carving, uh, I don't know, cutting boards in his garage, whatever it may be, uh, on, on Etsy, and they want to sell them. Well, if you went to Square or the others, sorry, I don't like to negatively advertise. Square is a great company. I shouldn't, I, nothing wrong with them. If you go to another merchant processing solution, they're paying significant amounts. Well, you can do electronic check imaging for relatively inexpensive. You can contact your bank, ask if they offer it. And all that is, is you're just accepting a check, but it's electronic. It comes to you physically in the form of a check image, not a physical check, but comes to you and runs through the regular check canceling uh, and clearing um, channels that they do if you had received a physical check. Those kinds of solutions are coming on board and coming on board in scale, and I and they shouldn't be ignored. So let me get into that for a second. Okay. So okay. people can take a picture of their check, send it to me to pay for their to to pay for their products or to a dispensary or walk into a dispensary and use it, and then it immediately transfers the funds. Not immediately. It depends. So there's a few different ways that checks clear. Um, this is this really is a subject all in itself, but let's let's start this way. First of all, not taking a picture of their own check. This this is a process. It's designed to bring in all the aspects of a check to bring in security and the and otherwise, but it's delivered to you rather in rather than physical form in electronic form. Okay. So so um, you you sometimes you are authorizing an electronic signature on it. That's yourself. So you go to a website, you fill in who you are, what your bank is, all the information that's on your check. So you've got your information at the top, you know, who, what your name, address, city, state, uh, zip code is, phone number, then you'll have your bank's information, their address, where they're located, their ABA routing number, your account number, what, who it's being written to, what it was for, confirming who it was written for, and pushing a button. When you push that button, an electronic check is created and it can clear. It can go to your bank and be cleared. Uh, it, that's one way. That's and, and we use that as well. Aid and pay, that's one of our sources of funding is, is electronic check imaging, which is a, a word that covers a lot of different things. Yeah, uh, that's one. Good. It, it, hasn't checking been a big issue? I mean, a lot of people don't take checks anymore just because of the fact that you don't know if the money's actually there when the check is written. So is that still an issue or is that solved through this electronic piece? Well, there are ways, there's ways to leverage technology to ensure that. Yes, the, the risk of uh, the funds being, being present 
lies to the merchant uh, typically. And, but you can mitigate that risk. You can say that risk is 24 hours. I can say that risk is three hours. There's ways where you can go and notify the bank on to which the funds are written on that there's a checkout for this amount. Uh, and that's done electronically. So you can get uh, confirmation that the funds are available but you will not receive the funds. It's a little, it's a, consider it the difference between total funds and available funds. Your total funds are this and your available funds are this. There are ways around that. That is one. Uh, the other solution uh, involved very similar information, but it's ACH, Automated Clearinghouse. Um, these are, these are um, a way to move money within the federal, uh, the federal um, system. Uh, and their their job is to move from one financial institution to another for benefit of, for benefit of the sender and for benefit of the receiver. Um, that's another example. We've all been through this before. If you, you know, you put in similar information, similar to a debit, you're going to put in your all your banking information and it does not use the Visa or MasterCard rails. It uses the ACH rails and ACH providers have demonstrated that they're more willing to accept the risk within these industries we're speaking of. And well, that's, that's another, go ahead. A wire transfer, right? I mean, that's, we it's do that. Kind of, it, you know, just, it kind of, it, 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 it Yes and no, they're different. One one involves actually the Fed system. Uh, that's a Fed wire system, which is a little different, but it's electronic EFT, electronic funds transfer is a general description of the two things we've just discussed, electronic check imaging and a ACH. And now is that how you and your business work? I mean, as far as when, you, when you're accepting the payment through aid and pay, are you accepting it that way? Are, are you another channel? How, how exactly does that work for the um, consumer or the patient and the business? Sure. So the most efficient way, meaning lowest cost uh, way for consumers to interact uh, using aid and pay and for merchants to interact using aid and pay is what I described earlier, which is elect electronic uh, check imaging. All, and it, it's, it sounds complicated, but it's not. All I do, just like any other app, Venmo, any other of the people out there that have peer-to-peer uh, -peer or, or B2C type apps, you got You have to give them a source of funds. I do not, I don't hold money. I'm, I'm a non-bank financial institution. A bank is a, is a depository financial institution. So all you do is you give me your bank account information and if you're the merchant, you're going to give me, and I can, by the way, can provide it to you. I have banks in the states I operate in that will accept your business. But, you know, as the merchant, you provide your banking information to me. That's where the money goes. And the consumer, the, the patient, provides me their banking information, effectively their checking account information, the name of their name, uh, the bank's name and address, just like I discussed earlier, their ABA slash routing number, and then the account number. That's stored. That's your source of funds. You don't have to fund before you walk in. Uh, there's no rounding up. There's no crazy things that uh, that obviously seem like a workaround. All it is is you're walking in and you are telling me, go get money from my account and push it to the merchant's account. And I do that by using your the, the, the patient slash consumer's banking information and the merchant's information. And I just move them to using traditional bank settlement lines. Okay, so if I were a, a patient and I were to go online and do this transaction, it would be just as, it, I mean, I would essentially go through the same process I would if I were to, instead of inputting my credit card, I'd just input my bank information? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if you compare it to the biggest name that anybody can think of, whether they're good or bad, Amazon. If you think of Amazon, Amazon effectively is a closed loop. Uh, what they do is you put in source of funds. My Amazon account, I have my personal, I have my business, I have my wife's personal, my wife's business, uh, debit and credit cards. And then I also have directly, directly from my account, you know, meaning coming directly from the bank, an ACH account. I choose my source of funds. I have a default one, but I can choose my source of funds as I move along and purchase. Same experience. Okay. So if people wanted to sign up for aid and pay or, you, you know, work with you to come up with a solution for their business, how would they be able to get a hold of you? You can go to aidenpay.com, A-Y-D-E-N-P-A-Y.com. Okay, great. So 
to wrap this up as best I can. Can I interrupt with one more exciting piece of news? Absolutely, <laughs> okay. okay, so in the state of Missouri, uh, uh, which uh, which is where I started this, I, I met that's where I met Ashley, and that's where this is beginning. So our first introduction of something else, by design, we ended up meeting the challenges for the delivery uh, delivery of cannabis uh, medical marijuana within the state of Missouri, which there is a stipulation that the transaction must occur within the dispensary. By the nature of how we operate, uh, dispensaries can accept funds in store and then deliver. And that's a very important distinction. And so you're not going to the consumer with an app and they're going to at, at their front door because that's not there. There's not there's not um, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, there's not present permits. There's you you have to transact within the licensed institution uh, and then the license, the licensee storefront. So the, we, we meet that challenge as well, which I'm very proud of. And we're really going to be rolling out a very significant system. We have a, really an ecosystem that connects all the way from the state's mandatory uh, mandated track and trace system, which is in, in Missouri metric. Uh, and goes through the purchase wholesale network, which means these are all uh, time stamped and all you get, you get metric manifest, goes through all the way to the patient, HIPAA compliant, and with delivery would be the same thing. So you put a financial uh, a financial fence around the transaction, the same as you have a regulatory fence on the commodity, the textile, the actual plant. So I think that uh, uh, I think that we're going to meet all the challenges uh, in any state we go to and I and I, I like our chances. Well, and that's so important. I mean, you know, when you talk about the delivery piece, uh, you know, everybody's seen with COVID just how COVID has impacted business. And you're seeing that. You're seeing more delivery methods, uh, not just with, you know, your local restaurants. You're seeing it with cannabis companies. And, you know, dispensaries, they were one of the essential businesses that were allowed to stay open because this is a medicine. Absolutely. People understand that. Yes, people love to get high. That's fun. People like smoking weed. But, I went to college, as they say. <laughs> there you go. I mean, there's a market for that. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, specifically, what what I find most passionate about, um, and I, I believe you do too, is the medical piece to cannabis. This is not going anywhere. This is not a fad. This is something that has been proven, and it's here to stay. And, you know, when the government and states are coming out and saying, yes, uh, cannabis dispensary is an essential business, it's like, you're right. You're damn straight they are. Because yeah, it is. Medicine, just like you would go to Walgreens and pick up a bottle of ibuprofen. Um, but Heather, I, think I have an idea. Here, here's my idea. Rather than taking law and turning a whole generation of people into opioid addicts, why don't we use something else? Wouldn't that be a good idea? that be a great idea? I See? mean. A solid thought, something that comes <laughs> around nature. I Absolutely. love it. I, I it makes love sense. It. Which brings up another thing in our ecosystem. We are we are working with a company that's doing really really cool stuff. They are, uh, and I don't have permission to use their name. I probably maybe can give it to you later, but I will tell you what they're doing. First of all, they come to it as database specialists, not not marijuana, not plant specialists. So they're approaching it from da data. And, you know, within within with marijuana, you have, you know, your THC types. You also have what are we up to over 300 terpenes, I think. Isn't that about the total? OK, they're mapping all of those to allow for um, I can't say prescribing. As you know, we have to do recommendations. We've got the other thing with the you know medical side of things. Uh, but recommendations you type in. I have insomnia. I'm irritable. I don't eat. And uh, I'm also anxious. And it will come out looking at, uh, by survey, by other things, the genetics, taking matching terpene profiles, full plant profiles to what the patient's looking for. And then also looking for entourage effect. That is, that's bringing science to the table. And it's what this industry needs. It, it, we, it is a legitimate, legitimate medicine. It has been before you and I were even thought of, before any of this is even thought of. And uh, it's bringing it back down to real science and real health. And, you know, if we want to talk about normalizing, my mom at one point, point grounded me for the topic we're discussing. And now she wants to know more about it. I've got a hip. I've got a hip mom in her 80s. And she's very interested. Yeah. And and, and what a wonderful we actually seeing a lot of older people, uh, you know, turning to this medicine, turning to this plant. 
Uh, people are sick of taking pills. I don't blame her. I totally get it. But that's incredible. And that is definitely something I want to continue having a conversation with you about because that's right up the alley of what we're kind of doing over at Casey Hemco with incorporating terpenes and minor cannabinoid profiles and more of a tailored experience to your therapy. So I love it. I'm here for all of it. Anybody interested, you can you can find me at uh, AidenPay.com or find me find me through Heather. I I I, I will toot their horn, but only with their permission. So I've yeah. got to be I've got to be at this point a little bit uh, a little bit secretive about it until they they tell me whether they're ready to be out there. So there you go. Awesome. Uh, just as a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And to wrap this up with you, Tom. I mean, I heard some good things and some bad things here. What I did hear is that the banking industry is not going to get any better anytime soon. And the Safe Banking Act and possibly the descheduling of cannabis most likely is going to complicate things more. But huge emphasis on the but. There is awesome solutions, aid and pay being one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you guys are in the cannabis space and you're having just as much trouble as we've had with banking, please reach out to Tom with aid and pay. Um, and talk to them about potential solutions, not to mention the amazing, amazing work that they're doing with Aiden's Alliance. Um, you know, you're, you'll be having lower processing fees, but you'll also be helping out a great cause. I mean, everybody wins there. So helping Aiden help others is what is what uh, Ashley and I like to say. And and uh, I think it's a it's a marvelous mission. And, and, and I believe in it. You know, she's she's helping offset the cost of uh, nutraceutical treatment for uh you know needy families and that's that's a really really important thing and uh, I, the bigger we can make this the better i told her i was going to pimp her all over the country and i'm going to do it well ashley he's pimping you out right here with me on startup <laughs> there right, you go. thank you so much for coming and shedding some insight on this incredibly important topic um and i look forward to seeing you guys all next week to discuss more cannabis on the hustle take care hustlers Thank you very much, Heather. Have a great day. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.